pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, that's our greatest desire tonight. That you would have your complete and complete way in this service, Lord, and how you'd move and how you'd speak and how you'd deal. You could speak to our hearts, Lord, as we wait here and as we just pray this moment. You'd come now in these next moments that we could have just to fellowship around your word. Lord, we can open the scriptures, but Lord, we want you to break the bread of life tonight. Lord, we've come many from work and from busy schedules, but we just set this little time aside. Lord, as the song said, just to have your way tonight, we pray. Commit both myself, Lord, as speaker, and hear, Lord, to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. Let's turn in John 14. If anybody remembers, that's where I spoke from last uh, last time we spoke, but we're just going to start at a different scripture. Uh, right at the beginning, we'll start at John 14. We'll start at verse 1. Boy, did I have a time preparing this uh, for this service, so you'll have to really pull. I need your amens <laughs> tonight. We're just going to just just fellowship. Amen. Some of the, the things of the scripture, they're just, as I was studying, I said, Lord, that's just really rich, really wonderful. And you can just fellowship around the goodness of God and what he's done for us. And so that's what we'll do tonight. We'll just praise him. We'll glorify him and thank him for what he's done for us in our lives and how he's as the first song that was sung tonight at Calvary was a song that I have wrote down that I wanted to sing at the end. And so we wanted to speak on what the Lord did at Calvary tonight. Amen. So chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe ye also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Amen. You may have your seats. Amen. I am the way. There was no question for Thomas there after that. We don't know the way. I am the way. Amen. I am the truth. Right. Amen. I am the life. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham, he says right at the beginning, he says, you know, and God's, God's provided a way and we'll, you'll, if you read that message, you'll see that we're, we've been spending some time in there. He said, there's only two ways for anything. That's the right way and the wrong way. Pretty simple, huh? So we'll just pack up right there. There's the right way and the wrong way. <laughs> But he said, and that's your way and God's way. So God's way is the right way. We'll just narrow it down. And your way <laughs> is the wrong way. So now we've even narrowed it down a little bit more. And you can't have your way and be in God's way. You can't be in God's way and have your own way. He said, see, it's one or the other. Right? It's either your way or God's way. It's your thoughts or God's word. Right, so it just gets really easy for us. It's either God's way or it's my way. It's my thoughts or God's thoughts. And it makes it for an easy choice on which one we want to choose, on which way we want to go. Amen? 
You have to accept one. You can't take your own thinking. So man is, Ram says, so man was born to failure. He's always been a failure. So why try and rely upon your own understanding? He says, why not take God's way of it? Because he brings you out right. Amen. Amen. So, you know, it's, it's really dangerous in this age because it's, it's an age that everybody wants to think their own way. Do you get that feeling living day to day? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Cause there's the pressure of my way today, right? There's so many different ways. Everybody can have their own way. And there's such a social pressure that we can start to bend our life and adjust how we're thinking because of all the different thoughts and ways that man is now projecting, or I should say Satan through man is projecting onto us in these days. But compared to God's word, it is so contrary. So contrary, and it's coming to, to a time, but we're here we are living in this Laodicean age, and the world's ways that are okay are so, so off the word and where, where God wants us. And I just, just thinking of the, just different things that even in traveling and you're seeing, you know, you just see what the world, where the world is at and where the world is on things like abortion, where the world is on things like pornography, where the world is on gaming and the, the demons and the killing and the, and all of the garbage that is being portrayed there, the, the films that are being, that are being pushed out into the, to, uh, to everybody essentially that is okay. It's okay. This is an okay thought. This is man's thoughts. And what Satan is driving to to really influence you into thinking, oh that's okay. All the, the pro life and all the different things that they're that they're they're now presenting and, and you can get caught in your thinking that well this is what everyone else this seems to be the social norm. So I need to just kind of you know bend that direction. And that's dead wrong. Right dead wrong and so we have to be careful as we just read and brother Bram is saying there's man's way there's your way or man's way and god's way and only god's way is right there's such a let's just talk a couple things that we see right now that we live in we talk if we look at our family units and the, what the what the the family and where where the world is going with family? Brother Branham said, "Motherhood is broke. The backbone of the nation is broke. If motherhood is broke, the backbone of the nation is broke." And so Satan has working so hard, he's broken the family. He's broken motherhood. He's broken womanhood, and therefore he's broken the backbone of the nation. That's pretty, that's, you can just glaze over that or read over that. That's pretty powerful. If the nation is broke because mother is broken in the home. As a believer, as, as Christians, we should take such a, such a watchful eye on how our families and how our, our family is, where the father is in his position, where the mother is in her position. Because if the nation's broke with, when motherhood's gone, where's your family? Where's your family if mother's not there? It's broken. It's broken. The importance of motherhood and where the social norm is nowadays. Mother's not in the home at all. Right? How critical it is not to get again in line with the world's thinking. With man's thinking of today. It's going to hit a couple things that 
pertain to us. Our boys and our girls. And how we, how we, how we, how we court. How we, how we go about young ladies and young men coming together. And, and getting to know each other. That's very different. Man's ways, man's thoughts on how this should happen is really contrary to God's ways. Very contrary to God's ways. And the familiarity that you can easily get just because this is just normal. It's pretty normal to be texting back and forth with young men and young ladies. And it's easy just to get in. Oh, yeah, we'll just climb in a car. Yeah, a couple girls, a couple guys. Yeah, we'll just slide in the back seat. Oh, because that's just, you know, it's pretty normal. Careful. Careful. That's not normal. It's not God's way. It's not God's way. God gave a young lady a sacred trust to keep herself, to keep herself, keep herself as a secret. And now young men and young ladies, there's billboards. Oh, there's a billboard out there for everybody to read. Everything you do, everything you say, who you are, pictures in pictures that should never be posted, should never be seen. And you're just portrayed to the whole world. Where's the secret? Where's the secret? And you wonder why people, well, I know everything about that person, everything about that person. Yeah, of course, because you posted it everywhere. That's not God's way. You should be, young ladies, young men, you should be keeping yourselves. And what happens is, is when you take some of man's ways and some of God's ways as you look, live in this current world, you get a hybrid way of thinking. And a hybrid way of thinking is death. Hybrid is death. Brother Brandon says, I hate hybrid. <laughs> and we live in a day and age where it's hybrid, everything's hybrid. You got a hybrid car, you got hybrid animals and hybrid dogs, and you've got hybrid food. Everything's hybrid. And hybrid is good in this world, right? You got a hybrid car, you are, it's good, because you're saving electricity and gas, et cetera, et cetera. But hybrid is not, not good in God's eyes. It's pure word, or it's off, and it's garbage. If it's not the pure, unadulterated word of God, forget it. Because it's death. Amen? You can just put up a couple slides. Just to give you an idea. Hybrid. This is a plum cot. <laughs> it's a hybrid food. You probably didn't know existed. You're like, no way. Way. It's a plum and an apricot. Okay? And they're bringing the different seeds together and combining them. And you get a plum cot. Next one. Yes, indeed, you can get cotton candy grapes. Believe it or not, flavored grapes can be hitting the shelves near you soon. So they say. Next one. Blood limes. This is actually a mandarin combined with a lime. Not a blood orange, but a mandarin. Real. And a pine berry. Two, two versions actually of strawberries. Tastes like a slightly pineapple strawberry. This is blended. Hybrid. A hybrid fruit. Okay? And man feels this is good. This is okay. Of course, everybody gets really scared. Well, GMO. We got no GMO foods. Okay? Genetically modified. You know what? I, I know they say no GMO, but we have come so far down the line. I don't know what is not GMO. Right? And what is not hybrid? That's the weird ones. Right? Nobody's here probably eating cotton candy grapes. But nonetheless, have you had a tangelo? Yeah, tangelo is a combination, or a grapefruit actually is um, a combination of something, believe it or not, from a ways back. But anyways, you don't even know what, what you're eating. <laughs> you don't even know. Brother Branham said 20, uh, he said if they're eating hybrid food, this is 64, 
Think of it as they've hybrid it. That's not the way a human being was made to eat that kind of food. It was made, it was made to meet it and to eat it in the way it was created. Eat it in the way it was created. That was a long time ago when it was created. And man has hybrid it over time and downgraded and downgraded and we're eating it. Okay, a man is eating it. That's the reason today they can't keep meats and everything is the way it is because it's hybrid. It's hot planted or every kind of way. It's all mixed up and it's got to be where the human race is being destroyed by their own achievements. By trying to take something that God made good, turn it around and make it some other way, their own way. Leave it the way God made it. Amen. He says... There, not ex- he said there's difficulty in conceiving. This isn't the exact word, but he said women won't have children due to eating perverted cells. Okay, you can search it. He talks about perverted cells that we're eating. It's causing the body not to function correctly. And then you wonder why it's so important to pray over your food in this day. Right? Because he can come and bring that back to original creation. As long as it's not a cotton candy grape. But isn't that the same spiritually as people are, are receiving spiritually perverted cells? Receiving perverted word or word that is mixed up with man's own ideas. That's why God hates organization because it takes ideas of man and combines it with some of God's word and it's perverted and therefore it kills you. It's a perverted. Brother Brandon says, look at these. He's, he talks about some boxing. He says people could take, there was, he names a couple people that could take up as many as 125 rounds in an afternoon. And a round wasn't two or three minutes. He said it was a knockdown for you boys. 25, he said they could take a knockdown 25 times in an afternoon all along. They didn't have a feather bed over their hands either like boxers has today. <laughs> A feather bed. They was bare-fisted. Take a four-inch punch and bust a two-by-four with their hands. They could stand it. They were men. Dear goodness. And now we said these so-called vitamin-fed rickies that got a feather bed on. Man has got soft, nothing in him no more. He's got a great big giant-looking thing. But what is it? It's a bunch of blubber. Just exactly what the Bible said. (laughs) Well, he threw it down there, didn't he? That's where man is going. It's a hybrid body that man has thought their ideas worked and has created vitamin fed rickies that got feather beds on their hands. All right. He goes, I was in Africa and he said, I seen them. They eat meat with maggots on it and they drank out of a pool that looked like it would kill an ox. He says, and I was trying to look for someone with his binoculars that was uh, 200 yards out. And he said, a man his age was standing there telling me where it was hit. He said, with his naked eye. He says, man, I feel if I had his eyes and his stomach, I'd be a pretty good man. <laughs> Hybrid. Boy, oh boy, has Satan got everyone tricked. Right? Everyone tricked. Everything. Education now has failed. Organization, religion, organized religion has failed. Civilization has failed. Everything that man has been trying to do has failed. They've tried to bring themselves in some cases, trying to get closer to God, thinking that they're going to some man-made way, whether it's by via education, get themselves smarter in some cases, but all every single time they've just pulled themselves further and further and further away from God because God has a very specific way. Very specific way. 
Just one more example. The body, God created our body. And he created it, it's built on a whole lot of millions and millions and millions of cells. And it's got a very specific way that it has to be made. And that's deep buried in its DNA on how that should be built up. And there's a process that uh, and there, that it has to run. And there's a certain guide. And there's a whole lot that's going on to replicate your cells and your DNA so that your building blocks are built very correctly every single time. And it's happening hundreds and thousands and millions of times uh, a day, on and on. But what happens when something gets out of line? When the message gets, I would say, a rogue cell gets out of line. The specific pattern in a general cell is you grow, you work, you divide, and you die. Cell grows, it goes to work, divides, and it dies. But what happens is when a cell grow, gets confused and it goes on its own way, it starts to grow and divide, doesn't die. And you get a cancer. Because now cells are just growing, multiplying, and growing and multiplying because of their own way. And they go rogue and it creates a cancer in the body because they got out of line or out of the provided way. God created thing, nature as such to function in a specific order. And he, at the end of creation, he said, it was all good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day and everything he made. And behold, it was very good. He made it in a specific way that it functioned perfectly. Then man was created. Woman was taken out of man. And Adam was a creator. But Abraham said he's a minor god. He's a ruler of the earth and the winds and the trees and the mountains. He said he could, you know, a tree. I want you here. I want you there. Mountain moved. And he had the, he, he was, he was a minor god is what Brother Branham said. He's a ruler of the earth. But what happened when they sought after wisdom or they sought after man's way, it injected a hybrid thinking into God's plan. It injected their knowledge into God's plan which we know completely now altered all of humanity, right? Just one little word was changed. But there was a desire for wisdom, a desire for, oh, what, just a little bit more. Or you could be as gods, knowing right from wrong. Oh, oh, I just, and wanting to have that little bit of extra knowledge instead of God's provided way, they injected a hybrid thought, a, a man's thought, or Satan's thought, I should say, and injected into humanity, and therefore corrupting it right at the beginning. But Abraham said, Adam, now from Adam until now, man has tried to make his own substitute. He's tried his best to do something just a little better than God did it then. And that's just natural in man. Man is always trying to be better. Make it a different way. He wants to inject his own ideas into the plan of God. And that's why we stand tonight separated Christian people in the world by bears and denominational bears. It does this because that man has injected his own ideas into God's plan. What a warning to ensure that we don't ever try to inject our own idea into what God is desiring and what God speaks through his word and through his message. What a danger it is that if we, because man, as Brother Brown is saying, constantly wanting to get his own ideas into there. Man, always wanting to just do it a little better. There's not a better way. There's not a better way than God's way. Amen. We want the spirit of God to lead, not our ideas, but we want the Lord to have his own way. Right at the beginning it started. Right, right after Eve and Adam now. 
were cast of the garden here, Cain comes along. And this is Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Okay, there's a way that seems right. Okay, Proverbs 14, 12. And here Cain was, he was a great man, religious man. He came down and Brother Brown said he built a church just as good as our church. He built an altar, offered a sacrifice, paid his tribute to God. If God, he said, only requires you to have faith in him, Cain was not an infidel. Cain was a believer. Certainly he was. Cain was not only that, he was a worshiper. He was a genuine church member. He built an altar. He knelt before God. He prayed. He did all that many would do in church. He'd come to church, give praise. I believe God. Giving us a sacrifice of praise. And here he was, Brother Bram said he was a believer. And if, and, uh, and had faith in God, and is that all that God requires, he would have been unrighteous to condemn Cain, if that was all he would required. But Cain had injected his own idea into what he thought God was wanting. He thought it's some fruits and vegetables and something beautiful, and he was tiller of the fields and had lots of, and, and the, uh, Vegetation, etc. And here's what he thought God wanted. And here was Abel, a very different picture. Very different picture of a slain lamb. Because it came by revelation of what God wanted. What was the acceptable sacrifice for God? And here Cain was, and even I find it so incredible that God is talking to Cain saying, you know, if you did right, looking at Abel, you'd be okay. Here it is right here. But there was nothing in Cain. Nothing in Cain to desire that. Okay? But if he, if it was just on his thoughts here, or just on his actions, I should say, on being a worshiper, a genuine church member, God would be unrighteous to condemn Cain. So close. It seemed about right. But it was his own idea, and therefore it was death. You know, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 18, you know, he came up, he was, Ahab had asked him to come and, and bring in some, uh, some help because they were needing, they were going to be going to fight. And he said, you know, come and let us join together our armies. And this was, this was Israel and Judah, Jehoshaphat, you know, this wasn't like another heathen nation. This was, this was Israel. They weren't heathens or anything of that nature. My people are your people is what was said. And, so Jehoshaphat comes and we're all going to come together and he's, you know, wants to know, is this, is this, uh, you know, we should probably inquire of the Lord. Oh, absolutely. We should inquire of the Lord. I've got 400 or so prophets or, and they've all, you know, they're all in one accord and one mind and it's, let's go. The land is ours. It seems right. It seemed right. Mother Bram said, Jehoshaphat knew something was wrong. He just knew something was wrong. And if you can allow the Holy Spirit in situations to say, Lord, is this right? He will speak to you and allow you to know, is this along the lines? Is this in line with the word? That's very important. He says, he knew, he goes, Jehoshaphat knew that that hypocrite down there, Ahab, he wasn't right with God. 
Jehoshaphat knew that. So something wasn't quite right. You know, all the prophets say, let's go, let's take the land, it's ours. But there just something wasn't quite there. It seemed right. It seemed right. And what ha- what happened? Is there just one more? Just one more? Well, there's this prophet and he doesn't like what, I don't like what he says and he's always, you know, prophesying against me and, and we know, we know the story of what happened and the prophet Micaiah came and came and spoke to, uh, to Ahab and, and Jehoshaphat and I see Israel scattered. You know what I find with all that, with, with all of that at the end, Jehoshaphat still went. I find that incredible that Jehoshaphat still after having a vindicated prophet come, he still actually went with Ahab to battle. And he, and he bore the, the, uh, consequence of that. The wrath, the scripture after that says the wrath would be on your house is what, uh, is what it said. The Lord therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord because he did not actually heed man was doing what he thought was right instead of aligning himself to what God's way was. So it's careful that we allow our thoughts not to be influenced by the world with what seems right. Amen. What time did I even start? (laughs) Help me out. Let's go back to the garden. God is calling. God here, calling through the garden now. We've had Adam and Eve and they've... They've... Sinned against God and they've now are trying to hide themselves and they've put on, but Abraham says they're fig leaf religion. I can, but Abraham talks about God now coming to the garden. He goes, he must have got the news somehow from an angel or somebody came and, and got him the message that your children have fallen. And that would have been just, you know, God knows all things. But, Brother Bram said, and God himself went down, and he's now going to the garden, he's calling, Adam, Adam! And I can imagine just the, the pain. His son and his daughter have just disobeyed what he's asked them not to do. Brother Bram says, a man sinned in the garden, he crossed a great chasm, and he separated him from the eternal one. So now we have man, a sinful man, and an awesome God, now separated by a great chasm. Man at that was eternal with God. He had no sickness and sorrow. And now the love that he had, this is God speaking of God, he said, and now the love that he had for the human race, he had to see, and yet had to see them separated from him. And the fellowship that he had with his children in the Garden of Eden, and in that heartbroken condition. God in a heartbroken condition. Oh, and I, I just was pondering that this, this, uh, today. So Lord, humanity, we broke your heart. We broke your heart. Adam and Eve broke his heart, getting off God's word and listening to say the serpents, serpents wisdom and broke God's heart. He said, Oh God, he said that he's had heartbroken condition that he's had to be in all that time because his word said that day you eat thereof, that day you die. And broke God's heart. And at that moment, all humanity's lost. Gone. He said, well, but I didn't sin. That was Adam and Eve. But Abraham says, you're not going to be held accountable for being a sinner. But he said, you're accountable that you don't take God's provided way. To repent for that sin. 
So he's not going to hold you, hold you accountable for being a sinner, but accountable that you don't take God's way back. And that's the key. That's the key. And here now, humanity was all, was lost. A chasm, a great chasm now is just between God and man. No way back. No way back. It's just all, it's lost. And a heartbroken God. What a moment that, that must have been. God made a provision right there in the garden. He said, in order it would have been any other provision, if there would have been any other provision that was better, God would have made it. But God made the only provision and the only basis for restoration. If God knew if there was a better way, he would have done it. But the only way, the only basis was through the blood of an innocent victim. That was the way that God put right there, right at the moment. This whole event started and changed the course of, of obviously of time. And here, right decision that God makes right now is an innocent victim must die. This was the decision. But Abraham said, if he made, if there was a better way, he would have made it. God made a way back for fellowship. That's the only basis that he ever had was to get back to a relationship and fellowship with God is through the shed blood of an innocent victim. Always oh, says it makes me feel religious, <laughs> knowing that there is a way back. Because at that moment, it was it was darkness. It was separation. A chasm was created between God and man, and there was no way back. All that Adam had, all the all the control and dominion over the earth that he had, was instantly annihilated, gone. And now he was to die. And here, a heartbroken God instantly comes on the scene, says, I need an innocent victim. That's the only way to get back to fellowship, is an innocent victim has to die. Blood must be shed. And he made, what made God provide this? Because God is love and love demands fellowship. My, love demands fellowship. God had such a love, that broken heart. He had such love for man, for Adam, for Eve, and for all humanity. That love demanded something to come into place. Amen. Sovereign grace stepped in when love projected from the heart of God. Something's got to happen. I got to make a change. I got to save my son and daughter. How? And love made a way because fellowship needed to be restored. God provided a way in atonement for sin at that moment. And he shed the blood of a lamb. So thankful that he made that decision so immediately. So thankful that God came down. He didn't send another messenger down. He didn't send another angel down. He said, I got to go. I got to deal with this situation. It's a major issue. I'm going to be there. And because he was there, he could make a solution right there. Amen. Because you and I would have no fellowship with God. A blood price had to be paid. And that was the only substitute was a lamb as a covering. Now it was not a, a complete rest. It wasn't a cleansing. It was just a covering for the sin. Didn't take away the desire, but it was there as a substitute, an atonement for that time. Amen? Because that life could not come on a human being. It was an animal. We know this. But you know, over time what happened is that just became a ritual and a tradition. Over time, it was just, well, it's atonement day. Better go take my lamb and, you know. Do what we do. Other families do this, so we must do it as well. Oh, well, I just must go to church and just raise my hands. And just because other families are doing that as well, just became a tradition. Just became a ritual. Ah, Just a Wednesday night ritual. And it had no effect. Because the traditions 
brought the word of God to no effect. And be careful that it just doesn't become something we do. It's a Wednesday night service. It's a Sunday morning. It's just something we do. But Brother Bram says, oh, the families do it. We should do it too. And that ritual and tradition just nulled it. And it only went so far to substitute because man needed a kinsman. Man needed something that could actually take the desire for sin away. My man, that had to, it had to completely annihilate that desire, not just cover it. I didn't have to do it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. But there was a redeeming law. God cannot go back on his law, okay? So you would read this, and this is for just the, the younger ones that might not quite, you start saying, well, we needed a kinsman redeemer. And, you know, just starts going across, you know, the, the younger one's head. So we'll just bring it down a little bit here, okay? But around he talks about, he goes, if I owned a piece of property and I lost it, okay? So I'm going to buy a piece of property and maybe I died or maybe something happened to me and, and I lost it or I sold it even over to somebody of another tribe, Okay, and so I've sold it over maybe to, I was a tribe of Benjamin, I sold it to somebody in Judah or something. And he rightfully owned it now. Okay, he possessed, he possessed the property that I had. And I've gone and something's happened to me and now he owns it. He could come there, he could farm my land, he could do whatever on my land, take the goods off of it. But he really just held the deed. Okay, he just held the deed to that property. He could not actually totally own it. That was the law in Israel. This is in Leviticus. Okay, Leviticus 25, I believe it is. So he just holds the deed to the land. Okay? So, if you read, you'll see that if my son or someone in my family or my kin, if I was now dead or something happened to me, he could go back and he could ask and he could purchase that back as his, as his property. It was his right to take that back. Okay, because as a, as kin to me, he was, he had a right to take the property back for him and his family. Now, if there's just some random person said, Hey, I want to buy your property and I'll, I'll give you 30 grand for it. No, I want to keep my property. It's not, it's not yours, it's mine. But if, if it was my kin as someone that I had owned it and now my son or my nephew or somebody came and said, Hey, I want our property back. He had to sell it back to him. Okay, that was, that was Levitical law. Okay, so it's very important to know how that kinsman or someone that could redeem that property back worked in Levitical law. Okay, do we understand that a little better? So a kinsman was a family member, someone that was related to you. Okay, you, it could be your second cousin, it, you know, there was, it could, could go down the chain, but it's someone you're kin. We, we know the term. Your kinsman is someone that's a blood relation. And what a beautiful type, if we now go into that, is Ruth and Boaz. We, we know we know the story well. And we'll just talk about it a little bit of how Naomi and Elimelech, they left their land. And off they went to Moab because there was no bread and, and no food, etc. And, and they left. You know, they should never have left. <laughs> they, they were in the in their land in Bethlehem. Brother Bram you know, talks about that. But they left. They desired to leave. And so their land... They, they, they lost their land. Their land was it was now vacated, etc. And and they went into into Moab. And we know the story that Limelech dies and the sons die, and now she's looking to go back. So much sorrow and and such and heartache, and she's looking to return. And she has her two daughter-in-laws with her. And here we have Ruth and we have Orpah. And we know the story. Orpah does not uh, does not stay, and she's. Brother Bram types her to just a Luke, lukewarm believer, and 
and uh, no desire to turn on and turn back by the world. And, and uh, then we have Moa, uh, Ruth, who with a full committed decision is is decided is going to now stay with with uh, with with Naomi. And I, I'm, I, just, I love I love the story of Ruth. You know, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I die. I mean, that was full commitment. There was no ifs, there's no ands, there's no buts, there's nothing. I'm going where you're going. I don't care what anyone else says. What a contrast to Orpa. It was like, well, and Brother Branham says, and you kiss Christ and leave. He said those, he said that, and you kiss Christ and, and, and turn, turn away. So, wow. Oh God, may we never be in that, anybody be in that position. May we be in a Ruth. Your God is my God. Amen. She knew there's something different in Naomi. I'm going back with you and I'm staying the course. Amen. Amen. Ruth was a special person and put into the lineage of Christ. Amen. So here she was full commitment, committed, stuck to her decision. She finds favor now. They're going back. They're going to glean and they're trying to get themselves settled. And here she finds favor with, with Boaz and, through the course of the story, you can read Ruth if you would like to. Ruth three and four, etc. And Ruth is, or Naomi now instructs Ruth to to lay at Boaz's feet because she sees he's our near kinsman, and there's a way back. There's a way back, and she sees it. Ruth has found favor with Boaz, so now she's she's working. Okay, if you do this, there's a way back. We can we can be redeemed. This would be a big deal. Ruth, Naomi has had sorrow and anguish and die, sons died. And here now she's seeing there's a way back. So Naomi is now saying you need to, you need to uh, lie down at his feet. And she tells him all what she needs to do. And, you know, Ruth, Ruth would have received a lot of disdain. She was a Moabite. You know, Moabite wasn't too, uh, uh, looked kindly on you, obviously with Israel, and there was a lot. And so here she was now coming back with Naomi, and she was the most, she got, got a lot of disdain, and a lot of, you know, just not treated well. But here Boaz had seen her, and seen her commitment, and seen her character. And so there's something different about this girl. Amen. And so he had now seen something different, and he's falling, falling in love with this young lady named Ruth. And so Naomi gives us instruction, this way, Back this way of redemption now, and she says, "Lie down at your feet." Brother Bram says, "Mark where he lies down." She said, "Then when he lies down to sleep, go to rest. Go lie down at his feet, not his head, his feet. Unworthy, unworthy. Take the blanket." Brother Bram says, "He pats his Bible. Take the blanket that he was covered with and pull it over you." You see, he says, oh my, I think I'm a fanatic, he says, but that just suits me just right. He says, that spirit of God, mark where he lay at Calvary. Glory. Mark where he lay, where he lay down in the tomb in Gethsemane. Mark and crawl up to his feet and lie down there and die to yourself. Amen. There's the type of Ruth. That's you can say, well, that was kind of strange. No, look at that. Coming to the feet of the cross, coming to Jesus Christ and lying at his feet in humility. Lord, I need redemption. She needed redemption. This was her only way back. Amen. Lay down, mark it there. Amen. And he says, there you are. Cover yourself over with his skirt, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? And Ruth said, what you say. That'll do. God knew her heart. Amen. She was there. Whatever you say, I'll do. She was committed. And so he took the blanket. That Holy Spirit, he said, when she died out to herself, marked the place where he died and laid down to rest. And there she laid down and took that blanket. He said, whoa, who's there? It's Boaz. She said, I'm Ruth, the Moabite, thy handmaid. 
And he raised up, he says, I perceive that thou art a virtuous woman. She knew she wasn't here to do something weird. Anything, I perceive you are a virtuous woman. Thou art a virtuous woman. And she asks, he goes, thou art our near kinsman. Right, right to the point. Thou art our near kinsman. Amen? Amen. That was, that was vital information. And he says, tarry this night. He goes, and I know it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman that's nearer than I. That could have been, but you know what Brother Ram says? Ruth rested now in this. Ruth rested in this. She says, you can do for, you can put me to rest. I come because you're my near kinsman and you're the only one that can redeem me. You're the only one that can redeem me. Amen. Christ was the only one that could redeem us. Amen. And a kinsman had to be, he had to be the nearest kinsman. kinsman. He had to be the next. Uh, he had to be an upright man. Okay. He had to be a just man. He had to have enough money. He had to be, had enough money to do, to be a kinsman. And he had to make a public testimony. There's four things he had to be. He had to be nearest of kin, upright, worthy, worth money, and have a, and be able to do a public testimony. Amen. And then from then on, he could redeem that back to himself. And now he sets Ruth. He gave her some barley and set her back. And Bitterham says, rest, Ruth, because the man will have no rest until he's done the full price of redemption. Now Boaz has got to go to work. Ruth can just rest. Boaz is now at work. I'm going to now do the redeeming. Just don't worry about it, Ruth. I got this. Amen. And here he goes. Ruth in complete rest. The bride in complete rest because Christ is going to do the redemption. Amen. No more worries. He's got it under control. The chasm. That was a great gulf between I'm going to take care of this. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a near kinsman. Boaz now. Here he was coming. And we're just going to take a little bit of a little bit of a jump here. And we're going to jump into and we'll kind of just try and parallel this lord help me just kind of do to do this i want to jump into revelation 5 and revelation 5 but i said there an angel came forth strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book here's revelation 5 who is worthy the angel said a strong angel proclaiming who's worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof and no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth was able to open the book neither to look thereon no one was worthy not, no, they couldn't even, no one was even worthy to look at the book. Let alone open it, not even to look at it. My goodness. But Abraham, John said, John, he said, now who is worthy? Let him, oh my. Maybe I just feel, he goes, but let him, said the angel, let him. Here's the book of redemption. Here's the plan of redemption. Here's the only way you'll ever be redeemed from here is the title deed of redemption of the whole heavens and earth. Right there. Right there is the whole plan of redemption right there. Let him come forward. Who's worthy? Come on forward, if you will. Oh, he says, speak or forever hold your peace. Let him come forward and claim this book. The angel's crying out, who's worthy to do this? And all was silent. The chasm was great. Who's worthy to do this? This great work of redemption. Who's able to take, who's even able to look at this book? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book. And John said, he's looking. Where? Where? There's no man in heaven. The angel's call was for a kinsman redeemer to appear. God said, I have a law. A kinsman redeemer can be a substitute. And we know the law now in the Old Testament. Amen. And it can be as, what is that kinsman redeemer? Who is able to take it? 
There was no man, there was no bishop, there was no prophet, there was no sage. Men of old, Moses, Elijah, different ones that have come through all the ages, not even worthy to look at it. And Brother Brown says, Jonathan, oh my, where is the man? There stands the prophets, they are born like I was. There stands the sages, there stands, oh ain't there any, nobody here? He says, I want that, I want a man that's able to do it. I want a man that can redeem. This is Brother Branham saying this. John is saying this. But the only way there could be, dem- be redemption is if a kinsman, a redeemer, could step forward. But God, Brother Branham said, that's God's own law. He can't defy his law. God required a kinsman redeemer for a man. A kinsman redeemer for man. And none was found. And he said, John wept. He said, one spot he said he wept because all creation was lost. And one of the elders said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. Oh my, that would have been quite a moment. Brother Brown says he just wept for just a little minute. Just a little short period of time. Because then one of the elders saith, weep not. <laughs> Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed and to open the book. He prevailed. He overcame. Amen. He stepped forth to over and overcame and became a kinsman redeemer. Now we'll get into that just a little bit here. He said a worthy one, stripped Satan of all his rights, amen, prevailed in the garden of Gethsemane. Can you imagine the drops of great blood that he had to bear in anguish and the cross that he bore and the crown of thorns? He bore that. He prevailed over sin, amen, to overcome. He produced a bleach that sends sin back along to the greasy hands, he says, that with his wisdom that defiled it. Amen. That's what Brother Branham said. Amen. No one but God. Hallelujah. A man needed a near kinsman. Now, that near kinsman had to be a human. Had to be a human. Okay? Because he couldn't be an angel. It couldn't be anyone. It had to be a human being to be a near kinsman to you and me. So we're man. We're flesh and blood. But it had, it couldn't be anyone born by sex. It couldn't be born into sin from the fall in the garden. Hence, the virgin birth, which makes it very, very, very clear to see why it had to be a virgin birth. It had to be a spotless Hallelujah. near kinsman. Amen. God's laws, we said, received a substitute. And he said, love constrained him to do it. The man was without a way back. Man was without a way back. No way for him to get back. He was gone. But the grace of God met this kinsman redeemer in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Law required it and grace met its requirements. Glory. Amen. Law required it and the grace, love projected, sovereign grace stepped in and said, here it is. I'll meet that requirement in Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, he says, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Amen. It saved a wretch like you and me. God's law requiring an innocent substitute. But did he meet the, did he meet all the parameters of a kinsman? He became human flesh, virgin born, human flesh, could take the sorrows, could take the pain, could take the sorrow, could take the burden of sin that we should have taken. Did he, did he have enough money? He owned a cattle on a thousand hills, amen. But he bankrupt heaven to pay the price, amen. Hallelujah. Priceless blood that was spent. And was he worthy? 
spotless, the Lamb of God, one that filled all time and space, that created the heavens and the earth. Was he worthy? He was worthy. Amen. The King of Kings. And was it a public example? Oh my. On Calvary's tree, before all men. Amen. But our Branham says he made a public example. Satan could not die. He said, when Satan could not die for sins because he was a sinner. Okay, this was the other one that had a claim. Satan had a claim on you and me. Amen. But he said Satan couldn't die for the sins because he was a sinner. He is the father of sin. And Boaz, there was a near kinsman to Ruth other than Boaz. But he didn't want her. I didn't want to mar my testimony. He couldn't redeem her. No, I won't have her. And Satan couldn't have you either. He didn't have the ability to redeem you. Amen. God then was the near kinsman because of that. Because Jesus, the innocent one, God of heaven, who didn't have to die, come down and made a public testimony by dying, lifted up between heavens and earth. A public testimony, stripped of his clothes, hung between heavens and earth in shame. And died a sinful, shameful death to redeem you and I. A public testimony. Every every piece, every requirement of the law to be a near kinsman, he fulfilled it. Glory. He kicked off his own righteousness. But Abraham says he kicked off his glory. Imagine that. I have the power. He said I could speak my to my father. And straight away he'd send me legions of angels. He said one angel. I think I have it here. Maybe I took it out. He said one angel could have just blown it all. He says that could change. He goes, and straight away he'd send me 20 legions. That could change the course. And one angel could have done it. He could have laid aside all his, he laid all his dignity, everything aside and became a sinner and died for you and I. Glory. Isn't that beautiful? God made a way at all costs. All costs. Why? Because he had such a love for you, such a love for fellowship that his love brought grace in to provide a kinsman redeemer for you and I. What a love that he has for you and me. Amen. What a love he has. He says, I am the kinsman redeemer. But he says he walks right up to the right hand of God and took the book out of his hand and claimed his rights. He says, I'm the kinsman redeemer. I am the mediator. My blood was shed. I've become man, and I did this in order to get that church back again, the one I foresaw before the foundation of the world. I have purposed it. I spoke it. It would be there, and nobody was able to take it, but I went down and done it myself. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. He said, I am their kinsman, and I became kinfolk, and he takes the book. (laughs) Glory. That didn't happen. We wouldn't be here today. That's a really important aspect. What was the verse? Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought him down to man. Amen. At Calvary. Glory. And the chasm no longer there. <laughs> the chasm no longer Adam far away from God sinful man and a holy God and the chasm is gone and annihilated at that moment amen what happens to the son he becomes perfect fellowship with the father again amen no remembrance of sin even against him no more he said there's no more stain of bleach anywhere he's free glory he goes and when he's confessed sin and and sin is confessed it's been dipped into the blood man or woman that's been dipped in the blood of Jesus it kills all symptoms every molecule of sin goes back to the devil and laid on him at the day of judgment amen that's the what a benefit of calvary every molecule of sin is laid back on satan himself on the day of judgment where his eternal destination will be thrown into the lake of fire and the chasm is bridged 
never to come in remembrance no more. Glory to God. And man stands justified as a son of God, daughter of God. Wow. Sinless, spotless bride of Jesus Christ. Full redemption. It was a complete work. And Ruth sat and rested. And we can sit and rest because it's a finished work. Amen. But Abraham said at one point, he says, the next thing is he just now needs to come and claim her. Amen. And we're waiting to be claimed. Amen. We can go meet him in the air. When we're in complete rest, waiting for our Boaz just to come and claim us. Glory, the final act of redemption. Hallelujah. Here we are, disclosing now. He says, what did we have at the beginning? He says, eternal life. This is what Adam lost. He said, we, life never died, never had to be sick, never had to grow old, never had any worries. This is what he bought back for you. So this is what he bought back. No more funerals, no graves, no evil, no death, no gray hair, no stooped shoulders, no mourning, no crying. We had life eternal. He said, we had jurisdiction all over the earth. We was just a God. That's all on earth. Walk about if this tree looked, looked right, not looked right standing there. We'd be, oh, pluck that up and set it over there. Winds are blowing. We'd just say, winds die down there. Peace be still. Amen. This is a restoring back. What Adam lost. Isn't that beautiful? And we have the earnest, he says, of our salvation now. And we can take our brother that's dying with cancer. But are you, I thought of you reading this quote. And we have the earnest of our salvation now. And we can stand with that little breath of redemption and pray the prayer of faith over him. And we'll turn a shadow of a man back to a healthy man again. Amen. That's what was bought at Calvary. Glory. That's our rights that we bought at Calvary. The healing that was born. He says that shadow of salvation. The earnest, I should say, of our salvation. And can stand. Take our brother that's dying and stand with that breath of redemption and pray the prayer of faith. Amen. If we can just stand and believe that. Amen. If love can bring grace that can take redemption, bring a redeemer. Surely if we can just find it. I just thought, Lord, are we missing that? Are we missing the ability just to a, a, a level of love that can bring grace on the scene? Amen. Help us, Lord, just to to feel the people, feel for the people, and the love can project so that grace can step into these situations. Amen. 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 A love for fellowship. A love for fellowship that just was so, so real to me that God just desired such a love for fellowship that grace made a way back Back to fellowship with God. Isn't that beautiful? Deserving? No. Then it's not grace. It's not grace if he deserved it. It's not grace. Abraham lied twice to save his own skin. Simeon and Levi convinced men of an entire village that were circumcised and they slaughtered them. Jacob was more concerned about his reputation in the region of what he, what happened there. Aaron followed the heart of the people and built a golden idol. Moses disobeyed God and smote the rock instead of speaking to it. Jesus' very own disciples struggled to understand who he was, even after his resurrection. Peter tried to keep Jesus from the cross and denied him. Dave, David committed murder and adultery. Saul called on witchcraft. Paul killed and persecuted believers. What did you do on this list? What did we do? We're on the list somewhere. 
But every one of those is covered by the grace of God. Every one of those, the kinsman and redeemer stepped down and bought them and bridged the chasm so that they could have fellowship with them. And the same with you. You can put yourself in all the deeds that you might have done. I don't really care what you've done. If it's worse than that, it doesn't matter. God's blood shed to cover them and you. Amen. There's That's the whole message. Is a savior, a redeemer made away by his grace. Undeserving. Undeserving. You say, well, I got a lot of problems and I got a list. It doesn't matter. Have you murdered and committed adultery and summoned witchcraft? Probably not. The blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you of all sin. But it's you that must then come his provided way. That's what you're held accountable for. Is if you come his provided way. It's there. He bridged the gap. There's no chasm anymore. But you must take it. You must accept it. Amen. And if you have, you can then rejoice. Amen. You can rejoice that you have taken his provided way. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. Because he said, as we read in the scripture, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? God bless you. You know, I have a little song that is an old song, and uh, you can, we might, you might, it's a really old song, but I just thought it was so wonderful. The chorus goes, oh, what a savior is mine. In him, God's mercies combine. His love can never decline, and he loves me. It's an old song. You can stand. We're going to sing it. I told the musicians, we're going to sing an old song. But some of those old songs have such meaning. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a Savior is mine. Oh, in him, his mercies combine. Amen. If you haven't, if you haven't. If you haven't taken and reached out for God's provided way, when you're out of fellowship and the chasm exists between you and God, that's only because you have chose that now. Because there is a bridge that bridged that. Amen. There's a bridge that bridged the gap between man and God. Because His grace, His grace is unending. His love is unending. And there's nothing. And just looking at that list, there's nothing that His grace cannot cover. Amen. Amen. He was nailed to the tree to die in agony for all my sin and for all my shame and my blame. Amen. Let's sing that here. Let's just sing it. Let's just worship. I just wanted it. I was just on my heart. I said, Lord, I just want to fellowship around your word. What you did for us. As a redeemer, maybe a kinsman redeemer just means a little bit more to you and how that, how, what, how that functioned. What was a kinsman and how did, what did the law, how did that function? We can hear the term, but because he became man so that he became right next to you, your near kin and he could then take your place vital. Amen. Cause it was a law that God had placed there. Amen. It was his love for me. On the verse, it was his love for me that nailed him to the tree to die.
We can bless his holy name. Amen. After they took the book, they was they were shouting in heaven. Amen. Shouting, he took it. He redeemed me. Amen. We can shout like John. Everything under heaven, above heaven heard John screaming, bless his holy name. Amen. Because he did great things for you and me. Amen. He's a redeemer. Tyler, a kinsman redeemer. Amen. I'm so thankful he did that for me and for you. That the grace of God could extend down to a sinful man such as I. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have indeed done great things, Lord. Lord, if we had vocal cords, as John did that day, we could scream from the top of his lungs, Lord. Express his praises and glory and admiration, Lord, for a worthy God that could come and take the plan of redemption, the book, Lord, and save man, oh God, from a hell. Because you bore our shame and you hung on a cross, Lord, a public example. Stripped of all your decency, Lord, naked before all men, Lord. Oh, if we could leave here, Lord, just a, just that much more thankful for what a holy God did for a human race, Lord, that would have fallen in the pits of sin, oh God. And now we're restored as Ruth, Lord, redeemed, oh God, and we love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. Lord, she could then rest because her Boaz, Lord, had paid the price. And has taken her her to himself, Lord, as you have done to your bride. And we're now waiting, Lord, to be received by you. May you take your lovely bride, Lord, here this next few days this week as we would sojourn now. And you would bless them, Lord. We pray and we lift up Brother Hugh. We lift up Sister Jenny, Lord. And we remember Brother Ryan, oh God. Lord, Calvary's price paid for it, Lord. And oh God, may our love... May it project, Lord, this evening, Lord, then grace would step in behind that love, Lord. Those cancerous cells that would just try and get off the plan of God, Lord, you bring them back in line. You're bringing them in order, Lord. You'd annihilate them, oh God. Lord, it's but just a... Lord, it's nothing for you. Lord, above all, we pray that thy will be done. For Lord, that's our earnest desire, is that your will be done, Lord, in this earth, Lord, as it is in heaven. Commit the rest of the evening, drive home and your people into your care. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Go home, blessing his holy name. Amen. Have a wonderful week. By God's grace, we'll see you Sunday. If you remember, Brother Murphy said, we'll see you Sunday, and he skipped Wednesday, and I said, oh, wonderful, I'm not preaching. (laughs) But here we are, and now we'll see you Sunday, if the Lord wills. Amen. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you.